0: Hello and welcome to the Arise and Build podcast. This is Jody Grace and we're here to inspire, educate and activate believers in Missouri to steward and protect freedom in every area of life, especially here in the heart of America. We're gonna be talking about what's happening right here in our culture, how it connects to scripture and what we can do to bring our conservative Christian values back into the public square. If you haven't already, I'd love for you to go ahead, hit the subscribe button So you can get our updates and join us as we work together, just like Nehemiah and the Israelites did, to arise and build a wall around the great state of Missouri. Hey everyone, happy Monday. I hope that you're having a great day. Hope you had a great weekend and your week's getting off to a good start. We're going to talk today about Nehemiah chapter 4. I am going to read about six verses to you and we're going to talk about them really quick. And then we're going to talk about data and how important data is and what that means to us when our data is being collected and um, how they're going about collecting that data. So let's dig into Nehemiah chapter four. Verse one starts out and it says, now it came about that when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. And he spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Now, Tobiah the Ammonite was near him, and he said, even what they're building, if a fox would jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. So they were really mocking Nehemiah and the Jews for trying to rebuild the wall. And I just want you to make note of a little detail in verse 2 that says, and he spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria. So I want you to just make note that Nehemiah's enemies, the ones who wanted him to fail, they were not poor and destitute. They had resources, they had money, they were wealthy, and they had power. Feels a little bit similar to what many of us feel like we're facing today. In verse 4, Nehemiah starts speaking, and this is actually his second prayer uh, that he's recorded in the book of Nehemiah, and it says, Hear, O our God, how we are despised. Return their reproach on their own heads and give them up for plunder in a land of captivity. Do not forgive their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out before thee, for they have demoralized the builders. So I just want uh, to pay some attention to the fact that Nehemiah, you know, earlier in the book, Did show his thanks. He was asking God for favor. But in this prayer, he is praying against his enemy. And uh, believers, I want you to be empowered to do the same. Now, it doesn't say here if God was pleased with this prayer that he prayed that uh, their sin not be blotted out. But I want for you to understand that Nehemiah did understand the way you may be feeling and the way that i sometimes feel about our enemies and i believe that it is it is perfectly acceptable to pray against the enemy the true enemy are not the people who are on the opposing side of course of our battles but the true enemy are the spiritual powers of darkness so I just want to encourage you in your prayers to take authority over uh, those powers of darkness. You've been given that authority in Jesus Christ and use it um, to do spiritual battle on behalf of the Lord. So verse six says, so we built the wall and the whole wall was joined together. So the wall was about two and a half miles long to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Oh, my phone's ringing. So um, they were being made fun of, they were being mocked. And then we see Nehemiah praying to God against them that their reproach would be turned on their own heads. And then at the end of all of that, he says, so we built the wall and the whole wall was joined together to half its height. So regardless of what was going on, regardless of the mocking, regardless of the battle and the challenges that they faced, they stayed focused on the task at hand. They had a mind to work. And because the people had a mind to work, they joined that wall together to half its height. Now that wall was about two and a half miles long. The average width of the wall was over eight feet wide. They, the walls were built in such a way that they could walk on top of them. So it wasn't just you know a wall like in your home, but it was an eight and a half meter, uh, eight and a half feet wide wall, average width. And then half its height would have been about one and a half meters. So you're talking about several feet, more than 10 feet uh, tall. So this is a massive undertaking. And regardless of the challenges they faced, They stayed focused on what God had called them to do. They continued to do the work. They were were steadfast. They persevered and they did not give up. So I just want to encourage you in that uh, this morning, regardless of the circumstances around you or what people may be saying or the challenges that you may be facing, I just encourage you to stay focused on the tasks that God called you to. Don't give up, keep persevering, and keep praying. God will show up for his people. So, um, I love the book of Nehemiah. I hope that you're enjoying it also. And now we want to get into some education about uh, the state of things, the state of the world that we live in. So, I don't know that you have heard, you probably have heard this phrase that data is the new oil. And that is so true. Data is um, so important to so many things, and especially to this effort um, in globalization. So if you remember that we've talked before about uh, one of the efforts that the globalists, the elite, um, put a lot of effort into, one of the things they put a lot of effort into is centralizing and standardizing all systems. They need to track and monitor so that they can control. And really the first step in tracking and monitoring is that you have to have the data to track. You have to collect the data or you have nothing to track and monitor. So really the data collection is uh, the first step in this process. So they, They want to uh, collect as much data as possible. It becomes very valuable. It becomes the tool that they use to track and monitor and control. So I wanna just talk in some general um, terms. I wanna give you some information maybe that you haven't thought about in regard to data. Um, There are some terms that, um, that the professionals, that the legislators, the policymakers the bureaucrats use that you that i believe that you need to be aware of. So the first thing is your personal personally identifiable information. For short it's called PII. So if you're reading legislation or you're reading policy and you see PII, what that means is your personally identifiable information. And the definition of your personally identifiable information, this is coming from Uh, A government website, the Department of Labor, it says any representation of information that permits the identity of an individual to whom the information applies to be reasonably inferred by either direct or indirect means. PII is defined as information, one that directly identifies an individual, such as name, address, social security number, or other identifying numbers or codes telephone numbers, email addresses, etc., Or two, by which an agency intends to identify specific individuals in conjunction with other data points. That would be indirect identification. And those data points might be a combination of gender, race, birthday, a geographic indicator, or maybe other things. So your PII is information that identifies who you are, Um, and that is very valuable information. Now we see in policy and legislation, uh, things happening in regard to adult person, adults, personally identifiable information, and also, um, our, the information for our children, PII on our kids. So those are things that we need to pay close attention to within that definition of PII, we would include biometric data. Biometric data is, uh, let's see, according to Homeland Security, a biometric is a measurable biological, anatomical, or physiological, and behavioral characteristic that can be used for automated recognition. So biometric data would be your fingerprints, your iris scans. Um, Even on your cell phone, your face ID, you know, how you can open up your Apple, your iPhones now uh, just with, you know, by looking at your phone. Uh, All of those types of things would be biometric data. And we see that being collected in so many places across policy and legislation. So we need to be paying really close attention to that. Of course, there's your financial information, um, digital banking, and really um, ESG, uh, uh, the social credit scores play a big part in your financial information, your purchasing details. And I'll give you an example for purchasing um, electricity. Most of you, if you don't already have a smart meter on your phone, you probably will have. They're making this big push to um, switch out the analog meters to smart meters, digital meters. Those digital meters are not only tracking how much energy you're using, but in what ways you're using that energy. So they're going to be able to tell if you have your air conditioner turned on, If you're running the lights or the ceiling fans or which rooms, they can get very detailed information from your smart meter. And that smart meter allows connectivity between your home and your provider. So of course, uh, there are some ways that that might turn out to be beneficial to you, but the unintended consequences of that are pretty steep. So uh, your smart meters are gathering information. Of course, we could talk about your health data. This would include your prescriptions, your diagnoses, just your general health history records. What we see with the vaccines is that they want to uh, be able to collect your health records, put it in a digital file, and then that digital file travels with you or goes with you with your ID, regardless of where you go. And that gives them um, great, a great amount of power in choosing where you're allowed to go and whether you can travel or not travel and how far you can travel and things like that. Another way they're collecting data is through surveys. So surveys um, are used, you can be asked a, a myriad of questions of course, But oftentimes what they're trying to gather in surveys are your attitudes, your beliefs, and your behaviors. So if they can figure out what you believe, what your attitude is about certain things, then they can use that information to try to control your behavior. I'll go back to the smart meters. You may think, well, it's not a big deal and it's more efficient to have a smart meter than an analog meter. That means that people don't have to come out and read the meter. Well, first of all, other than the fact that those people are losing their jobs because they don't need meter meter readers anymore, um, it's a it's a problem because they are tracking your behaviors through the usage of your electricity. So if they want to change your behavior, if they would prefer that you use electricity at a different time of day, or use it in a different way, then what we see happening already across the state of Missouri is that our energy providers, our utility companies, the electric companies, are now rolling out new rate plans based on the time of your usage. They couldn't do that without a smart meter. So if they don't want you to use electricity between 4 and 8 o'clock in the evening, which of course is when everybody is home, then they raise your rate during that time period and they force you to behave in a different way and in that way they are controlling your behavior. So if they hadn't collected the data in the first place if we didn't have the smart meters then that behavior and those rate plans would not be possible. So our data becomes really really important in this idea of globalization because without the data they can't track or monitor now does that mean we should never share data or there's never any reason to collect information no but it does mean that when your information is being collected you need to pay attention and we need to be thinking down the road we need to have um we need to have forethought and not be so short-sighted We need to have forethought and be thinking through the process of what does this really mean? And in the long run down the road, how could this harm me, my children, my family, how could this infringe upon my freedom? And is it worth the convenience that I'm trying to gain? Usually it's about convenience. Is it worth the convenience that I'm trying to gain right now in this moment? And unfortunately, I believe that we have not done that. We haven't, um, we haven't been long-term planners. We have become a microwave society. And when something looks more convenient, we just want to jump at it. And unfortunately, in many cases, that is ultimately going to harm us. So we just need to look and think critically and consider the unintended consequences of data collection. Every time that we see data collection of any type, we need to be considering uh, what could happen. Unfortunately, um, you know, we, we can't trust the government when when it has come to be that parents are now considered domestic terrorists if they speak up at their school board meetings. Uh, things like this can really quickly become a problem. So, That's all I have for you today. I hope you have a wonderful day. And we're going to talk more about data this week, uh, specific types of data, how they're collecting it, specific pieces of legislation and policy where they have already begun to collect data, and how uh, that might be a problem that you need to be aware of. So you guys have a great day and I'll talk to you soon. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me today. I hope you found it helpful. I just want to let you know that today's show notes will be on the blog at jodygrace.com. If you search for data, that will bring up all of the blog art articles uh, related to this topic. And I think you'll find some really helpful links and resources and even some pictures to help you understand the issue. I also wanted to invite you to a couple of events that I'm hosting this month. They're called Awakening at the Wall, and it's a great day full of worship and prayer and message from scripture and so much education about legislation we're even going to talk about child trafficking in Missouri. I know you've probably seen that movie Sound of Freedom and that topic has, uh, we've been become more aware of that topic. So we're going to talk about it and what it looks like here in Missouri. It's a great day full of inspiration, education, and even activation because we want you to be empowered when you leave to actually do something to make a difference in your community and across the state. So I hope that you'll Consider joining me October 21st in Warrensburg at the J.C. Cowboy Church and October 28th in St. Peter's at the Spencer Road Branch Library. Please go to the website, jodigrace.com, and register. And I really hope I get to see you there. Take care. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you soon.